Today we're going to be looking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is the second sermon in the series that we're doing called The Return. And we're going to be looking at the return of Christ. Something that we're all looking forward to, I would hope, because one day He's going to come back and, and He needs to find us doing what He expects us to do. And that is to be living a holy life for Him and spreading the gospel to others. Remember, He kind of left us with that, uh, uh, that little commandment that said, go and make disciples. So if that's what He tells us to do, then uh, shouldn't that be what we're doing? Amen. So we're going to look today at, at, uh, at that. We're going to look at, it's kind of a, a deal on leadership, spiritual leadership. And uh, if you would, if you open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to be there. And while you're getting there, let me tell you a story. <clears throat> Thomas Monahan. Some of you may never heard that name before. He is the, the founder, president, and CEO of Domino's Pizza. Now, Domino's Pizza started in 1970, and it was a very, uh, uh, it, it was so much in debt, it was upside down, that it's almost at the point of bankruptcy. But between 1970 to 1985, Domino's became the second largest uh, pizza company in America, with sales over a billion dollars a year. That's a lot of pizza. Yes. And in an interview, uh, Monaghan was asked about uh, to explain your company's growth. That's pretty phenomenal. If I was in business, had a company, I'd want to know what did you do to grow so fast so I can try and put some practices there, so I can try and duplicate it. So he was asked this question, and Monaghan explained that I programmed everything for growth. Okay, well, the next question is obviously, well, how do you do that? Every day we develop people. The key to growth is developing people. Not special cheese, not tasty crust, not fast delivery, but people are the key to all effective leadership. That's a good, a good philosophy because I tell you, you, you cannot be a good leader without people. Amen. You can't be a leader without people. People are the key. Uh, John Maxwell is probably the best known uh, Christian writer on leadership. And his, uh, his key phrase in all of his books on leadership is very simple. It's leadership is influence. Now, <laughs> sorry, she's trying to get the phone and hold a baby. And <laughs> the... Um, so you might be wondering, well, Pastor, what does this have to do with anything that, uh, what does that have to do with me particularly? I know usually when I go somewhere and hear someone talk, the first question I've got is, how does this affect me? I mean, it's a selfish question, but it's a question we all ask. When you come here on Sunday morning for church, you want to hear a sermon that's going to affect your life. How, how's it going to affect you? You don't care if I'm talking about something that's going on halfway around the world that has no influence on you at all. You want to know what's going to affect you right here today. And the way this affects you is every one of you in here is a leader because by John Maxwell's definition, every one of you in here has influence over someone. Okay? So you're all leaders. And, and like I brought before, as leaders... 
Jesus has given us an assignment as leaders. We're supposed to be going out and leading people to Christ. So we're going to look at that and we're going to look at this in 1 Thessalonians and see exactly what it is that, that Paul points out are key traits of Christian leaders, of spiritual leaders. And since we're all leaders, we should all know what these traits are so that then we can see if we need to get our lives adjusted to get in line with them. I know that a lot of you, some of you might be out there thinking, well, this sounds more like a class than a sermon. I'm sorry, I teach as much or more than I preach. So, but this is good for us. So let's look at something here. Paul says right off the bat in, his, in this letter, right in chapter 2, verse 3, he's telling us that the very first most important trait of a leader is their character. And if you look in verse 3, it says, So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. And then in verses 6 through 8, he says, As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our lives too. See, a leader needs to have character. General Norman Schwarzkopf. For those of you who don't know the name, he was the guy in charge of Operations Desert Shield and Desert Storm. He's the one or his leadership, we defeated the fourth largest military in the world in a matter of a couple of days. He said at a speech to the Corps of Cadets in the U.S. Military Academy, I have met a lot of leaders in the Army who are very competent, but they didn't have character. For every job they did well, they sought reward in the form of promotions, awards, or decorations. In the form of getting ahead at someone else's expense. That's not a good leader. He concludes his, his speech with, with that that is, that is not acceptable in leadership that a good leader is, uh, has character. Now, <clears throat> see, if, if your character is not pure, if your motives are not pure, people can spot it real quick. Have you, I mean, all of us in here can do that. Stop and think about, about someone that you know that, that they're, they have tried to, in your past, have tried to get you to do something and you knew right from the beginning it was all about them. You were just a means to, a, to the way. Say, people, we can spot a fake a mile away. We can spot, we, we know when someone is genuine when they come to us. If they have genuine compassion and they genuinely care, we can spot that. But at the same time, we can spot someone who is not just as easily. And we're, we tend not to follow people who we consider or perceive as being fake. Fake. 
being all about themselves. <laughs> the second thing that, that Paul goes into here about a good spiritual leader is that a good spiritual leader has to have a calling. You, you have to have a calling. You have to be leading to something, right? You can't lead not knowing where you're going. You have to have a calling to where you're going. In verse 4, Paul says, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our heart. There was a train at the railway station and it was... Uh, just about time to leave and the conductor is going around he's collecting tickets and the first ticket he gets he looks at and he tells the person I think you're on the wrong train and the person says wait a minute the, the person at the ticket counter said this was my train and after a few minutes of discussion the conductor went to talk to the ticket agent and after talking to the uh, ticket agent he came back and realized that he was on the wrong train <laughs> But see, if, if our leaders are not on the right track, then how can the followers be expected to be on the right track? See, as leaders, we need to have a calling. And that calling has to, has to be something that it has to be from God. It has to be something that's telling us that this is the way to go. Because as leaders, we still have to be following someone. We should be following Jesus Christ. We have to be able to, to take whoever is following us on the right path, down the right track, and we have to make sure we're there. So Jesus should be who our life is devoted to, and Jesus should be, should be the conductor of our life, and we should be following as wherever He says to follow. We need to be able... To say we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Because you've been entrusted with the gospel. You've been entrusted with the good news. You know, we said well, God very easily could evangelize the world without us. Amen. But He's chosen to use us in that process. His plan is for us to be the ones spreading the gospel. That ought to make you feel special. God Himself picked you out and said, here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Go and share it. That kind of makes you in a pretty important role. So we need to remember that. And, and in, in doing that, we have to look at the next trait of a spiritual leader is, is our conduct you know, that's something that, that uh, we talk about a lot, and, uh, uh, but it's, it's so critical because, you know, your actions speak much louder than your words. People are going to remember things you did a lot longer than they remember the words you said. So if your actions and your words don't go together, you'll get called out pretty quick on it. If you look at verse 9 and 10, it says, Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news to you. 
You yourselves are our witness, as so is, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and thoughtless toward all of you believers. In other words, Paul is saying, we lived out everything we said. We lived the life that we told you about. We were your examples to see that, hey, it can really be done. We're not just talking pie-in-the-sky salvation here. We're talking boots-on-the-ground salvation. You can live a life that is pleasing to God. And he says, and we gave you the example. General Dwight Eisenhower used to have a favorite saying uh, in talking about leadership. And, and he used to say that it was better to pull versus pushing a string. Now, if you've never tried to lay a string out on the table and push it, it doesn't push too good. It just kind of clumps up. But if you take that string and pull it along, it just follows right wherever you go. See, your life has to be an example. You have to be the one showing people that, hey, the stuff in this book is real. It can really be done. You can really live this life, and I'm proof of it. That's what Paul's saying. That's what Paul's saying. I came here, and I was the example for you. I, I prove in my life that these words that I preach to you are very much accomplishable in your life. That you can do it. Our conduct is very important. You know, in, in the Air Force, we go to leadership school, their big thing on leadership that they would push is lead by example. That was the thing. Lead by example. As Christians, we cannot be, we cannot be do as I uh, say, not as I do leaders. That may work just fine out in the, in the political world or somewhere else out in the world, but in, in faith, in Christianity, in the church, we have to live by example. And the reason that churches have such a, uh, such a, a reputation that non-church people and people who have left church will say is that they're just full of hypocrites is because people in church do not live by the example they talk about. They want to live one way and talk another. And people spot it. And as soon as they spot it, they say, I don't want to go to church. Those people are just hypocrites in church. Whose fault is that? That's our fault. It's no one else's. We can't, well, that's a nasty rumor started out in the world. No. That's the observation of the world they look at the church. We have got to live a life that, that shows that these words that we talk about, that, that the saving grace of Jesus Christ really does change you, that it really does conform you, that it really does make you a different person. We have to show that. You can't go out and tell people how, how believing in Jesus will change your life and, and you'll be a totally different person if the old man is dead and you're a new creature in Christ now and still be living like that old dead guy that you're talking about. Who's going to believe it? You've seen all these commercials on, uh, on TV that are trying to sell something and it does everything, right? And the guy demoing on TV, it looks so easy. Man, he just do it with his eyes closed and it just works. And you're thinking, man, I've got to have that. And you order it and you get it in. 
and it's junk. It doesn't, it doesn't work right. It doesn't, and, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm never going to buy anything from these people again because what they're selling isn't what they're advertising. Well, guess what? Our lives as Christians, we're out there selling Jesus Christ. Do you want the people seeing you say, I don't want anything to do with that because what they're selling doesn't work? See, the, the grace and love of Jesus Christ does work. It does change us. It does make us different. It, it takes us away from our priorities being in the world and it puts us where our priorities are in heaven and it, it changes our focus on life. It changes our focus on people. But you got to let it. The only thing that stops God from doing something in your life is you. No one else. No one else. Jesus said, follow me. You know, Jesus didn't come to the world and, and start shoving everybody and say, you got to start believing this way from now on or dad's going to take care of you. Jesus said, follow me. And he lived his life on earth showing us that his words were true, that his words had meaning. Paul was able to say, Follow me as I follow Christ. Our lives should be that way. We should be telling the people that we have influence over that, that follow me as I follow Christ. Our lives should be molded after that. Because if we're still thinking we can do it on our own and we don't have to follow Christ, then we've missed the whole point of it. Because the whole point is we can't do it on our own. The content of our life is important. The content of our message is important. In verses 11 through 13a, it says, And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For He called you to share in His kingdom and glory. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of it as our words or merely human ideas. See, when you hear the gospel, a lot of people accept the gospel as just being words. Just words of man. You hear people all the time say that everything in the Bible is just stuff that people made up. It's interesting, though. The Bible's been tested and proven more than any book ever written, but people still say it's just all made up. So I'd say whoever made it up did a pretty good job of it. Because history supports it over and over again. You know, they still use the Bible to find old cities and stuff that's long gone in the Middle East. For a book that's made up, that's pretty good makeup. But when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, instead of accepting it as God's offer of grace and salvation, they look at it as being words of man. If you look at it at words of man, it does you no good at all. But Paul is saying that these people, they, they heard this, this gospel, they heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and they accepted it for what it was as God's very words, His gift of salvation, His gift of forgiveness and love. See, the message matters. 
what we tell others matters tremendously. Even in our everyday life, the very words that we speak to one another should convey the message of Scripture. Our lives should, should, should convey everything we do. If you lie, if you cheat, if you steal, if you're committing adultery, if you do, those are all against God's Word. Plain and simple. If you don't like the rules, I didn't write the book. But God said, these things are not pleasing to me. Don't do them. That's good enough for me not to do them. Our everyday life, the way we treat each other, the way we treat strangers, the way we greet one another, the way we, we look at one another, all of that should reflect the love of God. There's no part of your life that is exempt from that. Now, we have to remember the Bible, I know there's been a few books written about this, so I don't want to say this where someone just gets uh, all upset about it. The Bible is not a self-help book. Okay? It's not, a, it's not like going down the store and buying a, a, a home improvement book where it tells you how to do everything in your house, plumbing, electrical, and all. The Bible is not a self-help book. The Bible is a book that says that you can't help yourself. You need Jesus Christ. There's a difference. A lot of people want to say, well, the Bible's self-help book. If you, if you do the things in the, in the Scripture and make your life better, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that He will change your life. We can't do it. If we could do it, we don't need the Bible. We don't need Jesus. We can't do it, though. Everything in Scripture shows us you can't do it. You need a Savior. And God says, hey, I just happen to have one here. And He's free. You can have Him. All you have to do is believe in Him. So that's the kind of God that we have, the kind of Creator that we have that, that wants to, He doesn't want to force us and kick us in the backside to make us do something. Instead, He wants to show us that you can't do it, but here's how it can happen, and it's all yours. I'll provide it for you. And if you're living a life that, that meets all these things, if you're, if, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I already, I'm already there. I've got it down, Pastor. This, this, you must be talking to other people. Well, as a result of living like this, you are to see people around you being converted. You are to see their lives being changed for the better just because they're around you. And not because of you, but because when you allow God's Spirit to flow through you and flow out of you, everyone that gets around you gets blessed by it. You know, if you just get in the presence of God, you get a blessing. So if you are allowing God's Spirit to flow through you, if His love and grace is flowing through you, then everyone you get around is blessed. If you're not seeing that happen in your life, then go back to step one and work through this list again because something's missing. It says in verses 13b and 14, it says, You accepted what we said as the very Word of God, which of course it is. And this Word continues to work in you who believe. 
And then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. In this way, you imitated the believers in God's church in Judea who, because of their belief in Jesus Christ, suffered from their own people, the Jews. You accept God's Word as God's Word. You don't question it. You don't try and rationalize it or explain it. You accept it as it is. Because that's how God intends you to. Hmm. You know, I've known a lot of people who thought they were leaders. But you know the, the key thing, if you think you're a leader, but you look around and no one's following, you're just out for a walk. <laughs> When you're following God's Word, when you are living God's Word, when you, when you are allowing God to, to live in you and to change you, people around you will be changing for the better. Trace is not here, I'm going to talk about her anyway. <laughs> Trace quit smoking. That's right. Praise God. She didn't quit because everyone pushed her and said, you've got to quit. She quit because God talked to her and said, it's time. And she quit. See, there's a lot of things that we do in our life that we just can't change. It could be a habit like smoking. You could be uh, uh, have an addiction to something else, drugs or alcohol, and you try and you try and you try and you can't stop. Maybe a short time but you find yourself right back in the same hole again. But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ can take the entire craving and urges away from you. It doesn't matter what your addiction is. Maybe it's TV. Hey, I used to have a bad addiction to TV. I'd watch TV 60, 70 hours a week. I just, I'd plant myself on the couch, grow some roots, and just watch TV. You know, but what good is that? It doesn't do you any good at all because there's nothing on TV worth watching to start with. So you're just filling your mind full of garbage off TV. And then I used to listen to a certain talk show host a lot. He was always negative about everything. So you get to where you start thinking and talking negative about everything. You say, you... Our habits and our addictions can be anything. But if they're taking us away from God, we need to get rid of them. And the only way to get rid of them is through Jesus Christ. See, if, if we are leaders, because Jesus said we are leaders, and we're supposed to be leading people to Christ through how we live, what we say, how we think, what we do, we're supposed to be leading people to Christ... And we find ourselves we can't do it because Satan has bogged us down with so many things of this world that we can't do anything. We've got to get rid of that. We need to be the leaders that Jesus intended us to be. And the leaders he intended us to be were lights shining in the world. Remember that? It's hard for your light to shine when it's covered up with 15 layers of worldly stuff. We need to be the leaders that Christ intended us to be. Our lives need to be need to be light towers. 
Because there's a lot of people in this world who doesn't know the Lord. There's a lot of people in this world who, who are searching. I know you hear that a lot. There's people searching and they just don't know where to find the answer. Well, there are. Every one of you in here was searching at one time. And it was only when you turned to the Lord that that, 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 that need, that longing that you had was filled. There's a whole lot of other people out in the world just like you. They're searching. They got this big empty hole in their heart and they, and they can't fill it with anything. And they've tried everything the world has to offer. And maybe they've heard the gospel a hundred times before. But maybe you're the one that God has, has put in there that will be the word that they hear that will change your life. We have to be the leaders that Jesus intends us to be. And that means we have to shed all the things of this world to do it. If you're following the Lord in your life, in your words, in your actions, in your thoughts, in everything about your life, if you're following Jesus, if you're allowing the Spirit to flow through you, then those people around you are going to be blessed. And their lives are going to change for the better. And, and you're not going to have to go up and tell someone that you're living a you're living a wrong life. What you're doing is a sin. They're going to get it because God's going to tell it to them. See, God didn't give us the responsibility to fix people. He gave us the responsibility to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus fixes people. Jesus changes people. And as leaders for Him, our only job is to introduce them to Him. He'll take it from there. So, it doesn't matter if you're serving in some type of leadership role that God has called you to as a parent, a Sunday school teacher, a board member, a pastor, or just someone with influence in, the, in a church group. We should be <coughs> reflecting God's love and mercy on all those around us. Let's all stand. As we stand this morning, Nick, you say so. As we as we're here this morning at this point, bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. I'm gonna give you one question to think about. Are these traits of spiritual leadership we've talked about today, are they part of your walk? Are they part of your life? Simple question. If they're not, if you're lacking in some of them or whatever, then you know what you need to do. You need to get with the maker. You need to get with God. And you need to get it right with him. It's never too late to get right with God. Never too late. Father, this morning, Lord, if we don't see ourselves with these traits, if we're lacking in some area, Lord, reveal it to us. Lord, help us to confess whatever it is that's preventing that trait from, from developing in our lives, Lord God. Because, Lord, we want to be lights that are shining so brightly for you, Lord God, that people all around us will see you. 
Lord, we want people's lives to change for the better. We want people to, Lord, to, to just see what in their lives is they're doing, Lord, is not pleasing to you. And change, Lord. We don't want to be the change advocate here. You are. You're the catalyst that produces the change. Help us, Lord. Help us to represent you. Lord, go with us from here. Fill us with your, with your spirit, Lord God. Fill us with your, your love and your grace. And Father, we just pray that it would just flow through us in such a way that everyone we come in contact with this week will be blessed by your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.